0: Fourth Wheel Productions presents Pig Melon, an audio drama in five acts Based on the play Pigmalion by George Bernard Shaw Adapted by Tim McGrath Act 3, Mrs. Higgins's apartment overlooking the river in Claremont at approximately 10.30 a.m.
1: Hello, Mother. A glorious winter's morning, isn't it?
2: Henry, what are you doing here today? You know Wednesdays are my lady's coffee mornings. You promise never to come over on Wednesdays.
1: Oh, bugger that. Please, Henry, go home now. I know it's Wednesday, Mother, but I've come on a mission.
2: You mustn't be here. I'm serious, Henry. You offend all my friends. They stop coming here after they meet
1: you. Nonsense. I know I have no small talk. The people don't seem to mind.
2: Oh, don't they? Small talk indeed. What about your large talk? Really, dear, you can't stay.
1: Oh, yes, I can. I have a job for you. A phonetic job.
2: I see. Well, it's no use, dear. I'm sorry, but I can't get around your vowel sounds. Even though I like to get those little notes in your patent shorthand, I always have to read the copies in ordinary writing,
1: so you so thoughtfully send me... Well, this isn't a phonetic job. But you said it was. Well, not your part of it. i picked up a girl. Do you mean that some girl has picked you up? Oh, not at all. What? no, no, I don't mean that type of girl. What a pity. Why? Well, you never
2: go out with anyone under 45. When will you discover that there are some rather nice-looking young women about?
1: Oh, I can't be bothered with young women. My idea of a lovable woman is someone as like you as possible. I shall never get into seriously liking young women. Some habits lie too deep to be changed. Oh, I can't a woman be more like a man? Besides, they're all airheads. Do you know what you would do if you really loved me, Henry? What? Marry, I suppose?
2: No, stop fidgeting and take your hands out of your pockets. Good boy. Now, tell me about this girl. She's coming here
1: to see you. I don't remember asking her. Well, you didn't. I asked her. If you knew who she was, you wouldn't have asked her. Indeed? Why? Well, it's like this. She's a bit of a rough diamond. I'm teaching her to be more civilised.
2: And that's why you've invited her to my Wednesday coffee morning?
1: Oh no, it's fine. She won't be staying for long. I've taught her to speak properly. She has strict orders as to her conversation. She has to keep to two subjects, the weather and everybody's health. Fine day and how do you do? That sort of thing. She's not to say anything about other subjects in general. That should be safe enough.
2: Safe? To talk about our health? About our insides? Perhaps about our outsides? How could you be so foolish, Henry? Well, she has to talk about something.
1: Oh, Mother, relax. She'll be fine. Don't fuss. Dr Pickering is helping me with her, and he'll be here too. I've made a bet that I can pass her off as a socialite at the Yacht Club. I started on her some months ago, and she's doing very well. She has a quick ear, so I'm pretty confident I can do it. She's been easier to teach than any of my actor students, because she's had to learn a complete new language. Currently, she speaks English almost as well as you speak French. Mm, Well, that sounds very encouraging. Well, it is, and it isn't. Well, what does that mean? You see, I've got her pronunciation all right, but you have to consider not only how she pronounces, but what she pronounces, and that's where...
2: Ah, that will be Mrs Fortescue and her daughter.
1: Oh, I forgot you'd have visitors.
3: Caroline, how are you, my dear? And this is my daughter, Clara.
4: How lovely to meet you, Mrs Higgins.
2: And may I introduce my son, Henry?
3: The celebrated son. I'm delighted to meet you at last, Professor Higgins.
1: Mm, delighted. How do you do, Professor? Haven't I seen you somewhere before? can't recall where, but I've definitely heard that voice. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I suppose you'd both better
4: sit down.
2: I'm sorry to say that my celebrated son has no manners. You mustn't mind him.
4: Oh, I don't.
2: Not at all.
1: Oh, have I been rude? I didn't mean to be. Excellent. That will be Pickering.
5: Good morning, Mrs Higgins.
2: Doctor, I'm so glad you've come. I'd like to introduce you to Mrs Fortescue and her daughter Clara.
5: Has Henry told you why we are here?
1: Bugger. yet interrupted by these two.
5: Oh, Henry. Henry, really. I'm...
3: Terribly sorry, Caroline. How rude of me. Are we in the way? Nonsense, no. You couldn't have come at a better time. We'd like you to meet a new
1: friend of ours. Yes, of course. Even better with more people. And you two will do, I suppose.
3: Oh, that must be Nigel. I
1: asked him to meet us here. Excellent. Another one.
2: Good morning, Mrs Higgins. Oh, it's sweet of you to come too, Nigel. This is Dr Pickering. Good morning. And I don't think you know my son, Professor
1: Higgins. Good morning. I've also met you somewhere before. Where was it? Um, I don't think so. Oh, it doesn't matter anyhow. Just sit down. Now, what can we possibly talk about before Eliza comes?
2: Oh, Henry, you may be the life and soul of the university club dinners, but you can be rather trying on normal domestic occasions.
1: Am I? Very sorry.
4: I suppose I am, you know. <laughs> I can appreciate how you feel, Professor. I can't do small talk either. If only people would be frank and say what they really think. Christ, no. But
1: why not? What people think they ought to think is bad enough, but saying what they really think would be a nightmare. Do you think it would be acceptable if I were to say what I really think? Are your thoughts so cynical? Cynical? Who said anything about cynical? I meant they wouldn't be decent.
6: Oh,
3: I'm sure you don't Don't mean that, Professor.
1: I'm afraid I do. You see, we're all savages, more or less. We're supposed to be civilised and cultured to know all about poetry and philosophy and art and science and so on. But how many of us even know the meanings of these terms? What do you know of poetry? What do you know of science? What does he know of art or science or anything? What the hell do you think I know of quantum physics?
2: Or of manners, Henry?
5: Uh Aha! Miss Doolittle has arrived.
4: Here
1: she is, Mother.
6: How do you do, Mrs Higgins? Professor Higgins told me I might visit with you. Quite right. I'm very pleased to see you.
5: How do you do, Miss Doolittle?
6: Dr Pickering, is it not? How wonderful to see you again. I feel sure that we've met before, Miss Doolittle.
3: I remember those eyes. How do you do? My daughter, Clara. How do you do?
4: Fine, thanks.
3: And this is my son, Nigel. Well, how marvellous to see you again, Miss Doolittle.
1: How do you do? Yes, of course. It all comes back to me now, the fireworks, Australia Day. What a debacle that was.
2: Henry, please, don't bang on my coffee table. You'll break something.
1: Sorry.
6: Oh, wonder if it will rain later. A large high-pressure system in the Australian Bight is likely to bring hot easterly winds. There are no indications of any significant rain fronts for several days.
1: (laughs) Hilarious!
6: What is wrong with that? I bet I got it right. Oh, yes, it was perfect.
3: Well, I sincerely hope it doesn't bring on my hay fever. There's so much pollen about. I suffer regularly,
6: every year. My aunt died of hay fever. At least that's what they said. But it's my belief they took her out. Took her? Took her where? Come off it. Where do you think? You tell me, why would a tough old chook like her cark it just from a bit of pollen, especially as she had come through pneumonia easy enough the year before? Saw that with my own eyes. Crook as a dog she was. They all thought she was a goner, but my old dad kept pouring rum into her until she came good. Jumped up with such a kick start that she just about bit the end off the spoon. Oh my. So I ask you, what on earth would cause the old girl to peg out from a bit of sneezing? And what become of her new TV but that by right should have come to me. Some bugger nicked it, didn't they? And what I say is, those that nicked it knocked her off too. I'm a little confused. What does knock her off mean?
1: Oh, oh, that's the new slang. Uh, To knock a person off means to, to kill them.
3: You surely don't
6: believe that your aunt was murdered. My oath. Those mongrels she lived with would have killed her for a few durries, let alone a new TV.
3: But surely it can't have been good for your father to pour spirits down her throat like
6: that. It might have killed her. Not her. Bundy was like mother's milk to her. Besides, my dad knows what he's doing with the grog. He's poured enough down his own throat. Do you mean your father was a drinker? Too right. On the turps, morning, noon and night. How awful for you and your mother. Not really. Never did no harm from what I could see. Problem was, he could not keep it up regular. On the burst, as you might say, from time to time. Truth is, he's always more agreeable when his rat asked. In fact, when he was on the doll. My mother used to give him 50 bucks and tell him to go out and not come back until he'd drunk himself cheerful and loving. There's lots of women have to make their blokes pissed so they're easier to live with. (laughs) I reckon it's like this. If a person has a bit of a conscience, it cuts in whenever they're sober and makes them low-spirited. A bit of grog takes the edge off and makes them happier. (laughs) like a shot fox. <laughs> this new street slang. You do it so well. Are you taking the piss? Professor Higgins, is he having a lend of me? Have I said anything I ought not? Not at all, Miss Doolittle. No worries, then. What I always say is...
1: <clears throat>
6: oh, well, I must go. I am so pleased to have met you, Mrs Higgins. Goodbye. Goodbye, Miss Doolittle.
5: Goodbye, Dr Pickering. Goodbye, Miss Doolittle.
6: Goodbye, everyone. Um, Are you by any chance walking across the park, Miss Doolittle? If so... Walk? Bugger that. I've got my own wheels outside.
3: (gasps) Well, I don't think I'll ever get used to the way young people talk these days.
4: Yes, isn't that the truth? That's because we never go anywhere or see anybody... Mother, you are so old-fashioned.
3: I dare say I am old-fashioned, but I do hope you won't begin using that sort of language, Clara. I may have become accustomed to hear you talking about men as guys and calling everything cool and wicked, though I do think it coarse and vulgar. But that young lady's gutter slang is altogether too much. Don't you think so, Dr
5: Pickering? Oh, don't ask me. I've been away in Africa for several years. Manners have changed so much while I was away that I sometimes don't know whether I'm at a respectable dinner table or in a prison canteen.
4: Come now, surely it's all a matter of custom. There's no right or wrong in it. Nobody means anything by it. And it's so witty, gives such humorous emphasis to things that are not in themselves very funny. I find it all delightful and quite innocent.
0: Well,
3: be this as it may... I think it must be time for us to go, too.
4: Oh, yes. We have a few more of Mother's friends to visit today. Goodbye, Mrs Higgins. Goodbye, Dr Pickering. Professor Higgins. Goodbye, Clara. Be
1: sure to try some of those new phrases at your next destination. Don't be nervous. Just throw them in wherever you can.
4: Yes, I will. Goodbye, Professor Higgins. Such nonsense, isn't it? All this social pretense around words. Yes, isn't it such silly nonsense? You could say it's a load of crap.
1: Clara. Well,
2: I'm not sure what to say. Goodbye, Mrs Higgins. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to meet Miss Doolittle again. Goodbye, Nigel. I take it you would like to meet her again? Yes, I would. Very much so. Well, I shall have to invite you both to another of my coffee mornings. Wonderful. Goodbye,
3: again. Goodbye, Professor Higgins. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> It's no use, Doctor. I don't care what the professor says. I shall never be able to bring myself to use words like that.
5: Don't. It's not compulsory, you know. You can get on quite well without them.
3: It's just that Clara is so dirty on me because I'm such an old fart. You see, it doesn't sound right when I say it, does it?
5: I totally understand. Well, goodbye and good luck.
3: I do apologise, Caroline. You mustn't mind Clara. She's going through a rough patch. She gets so few social outings, poor child. She still doesn't quite understand her place in society. But Nigel is a sweet boy, don't you think?
2: Oh yes, a real sweetie. I do hope he will come again. Thank you, dear. Goodbye.
1: Well, mother, what did you think? Is Eliza presentable?
2: You silly boy, of course she's not presentable. She may be a triumph of your art and of her stylists, but if you suppose for a moment that she doesn't give herself away in every statement she utters, you must be obsessed with her.
5: But don't you think we can correct all of that? I mean, do something to eliminate the more sanguinary elements from her conversation?
2: Possibly. But not as long as she's in Henry's
1: hands. Do you mean to say that my language is improper?
2: No, dear. It would be quite proper, say, on a building site, but it would not be proper for a lady at the yacht club. Well,
5: I I must say... Come on now, Higgins. You must recognise that yourself. I haven't heard language such as yours since I was in medical
1: school. Oh, well, if you say so, I suppose I don't always talk like a bishop.
2: Dr Pickering... Will you clarify something for me? What is the exact state of affairs at Henry's office?
5: Well, I have the opportunity of working there most days with Henry. He's helping me with my Afrikaans dialects and sometimes I help him out with Eliza. The arrangement is proving mutually convenient.
2: Quite so. But that isn't what I was referring to. Miss Doolittle, where is she staying? With Mrs Pierce. It's all perfectly respectable. But on what basis? Is she a student or an employee? What are the terms of her engagement?
5: Oh, now I think I know what you mean.
1: Well, I'm buggered if I do. Just so you know, Mother, I've had to work at that girl every day for months to get her to her present level. Luckily, it turns out she's also useful in the office. She knows where my things are and remembers my appointments and so forth.
2: And how does your assistant,
1: Mrs Pierce, get on with her? Oh, I imagine she's grateful to have things taken off her hands. Before Eliza came, she was always having to find things for me and keep my diary. Although, I admit she does seem to have a bee in her bonnet when it comes to Eliza. She keeps saying, you are quite sure about this, Professor. Doesn't she, Pick?
5: Yes, that's about the size of it. You are quite sure about this, Professor? That seems to end every conversation you have with her about Eliza.
1: As if I ever stopped thinking about the girl and her confounded vowels and her consonants. I'm worn out thinking about her and watching her lips and her teeth and her tongue. Not to mention her bizarre behaviour which is the most entertaining of the lot.
2: You make it sound like a child playing with an animated doll.
1: Playing? Mother, this is the hardest professional task I've ever undertaken. Make no mistake about that. I'm not sure you can appreciate how challenging it is to take a human being and change it into someone else by means of speech. I'm dealing with the barriers that separate class from class, the things that separate civilised culture from brute behaviour. Yes, it's incredibly
5: interesting. Mrs. Higgins, I can assure that we take Eliza very seriously. Every week, every day almost, there is some new development. We keep records of everything, hundreds of recordings and
1: images. I don't think I'd be exaggerating to say she is the most intriguing experiment I've ever conducted. Eliza certainly takes up her time, doesn't she, Pick? We're always talking, Eliza. Teaching Eliza. Dressing Eliza. What? Inventing new Elizas. I assure you, know, you, Mrs. she has the most extraordinary, good, positive ear. Do you know Just she like can play parrot. the piano quite beautifully? With every We've taken the classical sounds of a human being, like nightclubs, and it's all, all the same. Jane Charles, anything New she, right off, she,
5: she right off when she comes Things it home. took me years to get Beethoven them up like even though, right away, six months ago, she never touched her piano.
2: quiet! Henry, shush, please! Oh,
5: shush. Oh dear, I am terribly sorry. I do apologise, Mrs Hickens.
1: I got a bit carried away there. I'm sorry, Mother. I'm afraid when Pickering starts shouting, nobody can get a word in edgewise.
2: Oh, do be quiet, Henry. I have something very important to tell you both. Do you realise that when Eliza walked into your office, something walked in with her?
5: Yes, of course. Her father did. Actually, it was a bit later. How did you know that? Anyway, Henry soon got rid of him.
2: It might have been better if her mother had, but as her mother didn't, something else did.
5: What would that be? A problem. Yes, of course. The problem
1: of how to pass her off as a cultured person. Don't worry, I'll solve that eventually. I reckon I've half solved it already.
2: No, you two ignorant boys. The problem of what is going to happen to her afterwards...
1: I don't see any problem with that. She can go on her own way with all the advantages I've given her.
2: The advantages of that poor woman who was here just now, with manners and habits that disqualify her in any society and without means of earning an income? Is that what you mean?
1: Oh, I'm sure that can be sorted out, Mrs Higgins. Yes, yes, we can find her some casual employment.
5: You don't need to worry about Eliza. She's happy enough. Anyway, there's no point
1: stressing about that now. The thing's done. Goodbye, Mother. There are bound
5: to be plenty of opportunities for her. We'll do what's right. Goodbye, Mrs. Higgins.
1: Pick, I've just had a great idea. Let's take Eliza to the ballet tonight. Oh, yes, let's. Her commentary will be delicious. And then she can mimic all of the people in the audience for us when we get home.
5: <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sociology Professor Stephen McVeigh Dr. Pickering Friend and Conscience of Higgins Peter Hocking Alfred Doolittle Philosophical Father of Eliza Ron Potiphar Mrs. Pierce Henry's Assistant at the University Isabel McGrath Mrs. Higgins' Mother of Henry Fiona McVeigh Mrs. Fortescue Snobby Mother Annie Taylor Clara Fortescue Snooty Daughter Duncan McGrath Nigel Fortescue, soppy romantic admirer of Eliza. Isabel McGrath, bystander, Fiona McVeigh, sarcastic bystander, Ron Potiphar